0: The name of the game is acquiring new customers and servicing your current customers and hoping that they come back and have a good product.
1: Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io/connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. Let's be honest today. All of your customers are going to have questions. And what are you doing to manage all those questions? Do you have a help desk for your business? One of our sponsors of today's episode is Gorgeous, and Gorgeous is the number one rated help desk for e-commerce. It integrates seamlessly with Shopify. We have installed it on a bunch of stores. It's also used by brands like Movement and Rockies. And what it does is it takes all of your customer insights and information, brings it into one amazing dashboard, so you can solve their problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.link/honest. That's G-O-R. G-I-A-S dot L-I-N-K slash H-O-N-E-S-T to get your second month free. Welcome back to Honest Ecommerce. We had some internet issues before, but we're going to make it work. Right, Dan?
0: Yes, we are. We'll, we'll try our best.
1: Alright. People don't know who you are. So let me try that again. So Dan Timsky is the co-founder of Unbrowned Merino. Uh, they are a direct consumer e-commerce brand. I'll let him explain the product and all that. But... What you guys missed on the ruined recording was this discussion about uh, the third door uh, from a book that Dan is reading right now. So this came up because I just want to let everyone know that Dan and his team built a great business. They scaled to four million plus in under three years, or around three years. Uh, but you know what it comes down to is there was no secret sauce. So that kind of brought up this concept of the third door.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I was only bringing it up because I just started this audiobook called The Third Door yesterday. And they, the premise is, you know, in starting a business, there's three ways in which it can happen. They call it the third door. They said the, there's three doors in. So the first door would be where 99% of people are. There's a lineup around the block to get in there, and it's going by the book and like starting a business, with a traditional business plan, and getting your education and all that. And it's the hardest way to get in, but some people do, but it's just kind of going by the book. And the second door is you're a billionaire and you have all the access in the world and the thing that's kind of easy and you're getting in with the VIP treatment. And it's kind of like not anyone can get in that door, but the people who do, it, it's sort of the easy way in. But the real way where most people that start great companies have gotten in to that place of success is the third door. And to get into the third door, you have to go down the laneway, you know, bang on the back of the kitchen door to let the chef let you in, and then sneak your way through the kitchen. And it's all about that grit, about grinding your way in. And he interviews in this book Bill Gates and all these extraordinary entrepreneurs. And the whole premise is that, like a lot of people, they they don't go in in that traditional way. It's not because they have that access. Bill Gates didn't start as a billionaire. And he didn't do it in the traditional way. He created a whole new industry and he completely redefined everything about the computer industry himself, but he did it in his own way. And that's really, I think, the way that to start a great business, most people have to find that third door. They have to jump over that fence and claw their way in. And I I was only bringing it up because I just started this book. And I think it's a really, really good analogy. But that's really sort of you have to find that third door. You have to like do things your own way and figure it out on your own in a way that hasn't been done before. And that applies to, I think, most people who start a successful business.
1: Yeah, that book sounds great. I'm definitely going to check it out. It reminds me of two other books that I-, I read last year. One was Small Giants, which is an amazing read. It's a kind of a deep dive into some very successful businesses that chose to get to a certain point and stop.
0: I love that book so much, and. Uh, I could talk more about that after. But that book was... uh, We needed money at one point. And had I not read that book, I maybe would have went and tried to find some outside investor some capital. And I probably would have had a partner breathing down my neck right now. But I read that book and it completely changed my frame about how I want to build this company. I I would recommend that book to anyone who's starting their own business.
1: All right, Last last book recommendation. Probably not. We'll probably have more. But uh, how about Good to Great? Yeah, that's the greatest. Yeah, you and
0: I—we uh, should be friends because we think the same, maybe read the same. So, because these are these are like foundational books for me.
1: Yeah, no, that, it's great. It sounds so dumb, and I will be so honest on this podcast right now. Reading business books one hundred percent helps level up your game. It's the easiest way to just like cut out some work.
0: You know, a hundred percent. I have a friend; he's a, a really big mentor of mine, and a few years ago he. You know his business was always big. Well, since I've known him, his business has always been bigger. But he was like a real entrepreneur running a bigger company than mine. But over the years, I've seen him turn from an entrepreneur to a real like CEO. You know, with closer to 100 employees now, and I've seen this transformation where it was not just this like entrepreneurial grit he had, but like really running a tight operation with really really good management under him. And and I, I said, how did you do this? Like I've seen you evolve so fast and it's so impressive and he said, simply just said just reading that's it and i was like kind of out of my reading game and that sort of motivated me to like really get back in because these books are written by people who have explored certain things and it's just like access to what their learnings are and i think it's one of the most important things you have to do to keep growing is that you know you can't just read and not execute you have to be executing and doing things your own way but man the importance of reading is it's it's substantial
1: Absolutely. So now that we're done talking about the awesome power of library cards, let's get into talking about your business and this and this awesome business that you've built here. So uh, quickly, I guess, let people know like what is the product. Uh, give us a, a quick crash course in the background of uh, Unbound Moreno.
0: So we make... Basically, for our core product is our t-shirt. We think we make the world's best t-shirt. Uh, we make simple clothing that has extraordinary performance. So our clothing is made with merino wool, It's nature's miracle fabric. It's antibacterial. It's odor resistant. You can wear a t-shirt of ours many days in a row and it will never smell. So you know, we've positioned this towards travelers to help them pack less so that they can experience more. So you instead of if you're going away for a few weeks instead of packing 14, 15 t-shirts, you can pack three. And if you can't get to a laundry machine, it's okay because you can rewear the shirt. So who do this carry-on travel for overseas travel, like they love our stuff because it helps minimize their packing but people buy our our t-shirts because it's just the highest performing t-shirt that you can have sometimes they're environmentalists they don't want to run their laundry machine too much sometimes they just like it's temperature regulating it's just like imagine like the most incredible performance fabric stylish basics so we create like that brand.
1: Awesome. And so when you guys were starting, this wasn't your first business, uh, but was this your first e commerce business?
0: Right before I created a sock brand. And I'm proud of this brand because it was a really, I, I liked what we created. It was socks designed by street artists. And we found really cool street artists in our city here in Toronto. We commissioned them to design a sock for us. And then we had a royalty deal with them that they'd make money for every sock that would sell with their design. And the problem with that business is we started it when socks were like they were starting to become really popular in a lot of cities, you know, and especially like New York and LA, Funky socks were becoming a big deal. And that's kind of like the worst time to start a business because it's already popular, you' you've missed the boat. So while I think we created a really cool brand, we were never really able to get it fully off the ground. you know and I was running a, a video production agency. On the side, like that was my main business. So this was a side project. I just couldn't get it off the ground. So I loved that business, but I was already looking for the next thing as I was struggling to find ways to get people to buy these socks. So on down Marino, it was an idea that came to me. I didn't have the capacity to do it. I felt like I didn't because we didn't have the money to do it. We didn't have the time to do it. I was running two other companies, but uh, for a number of reasons, I just felt like this idea just made sense. Like it was the right time, it was the right product. I was, I believed we needed to bring this to market because I didn't feel it existed. So we did a crowdfunding campaign as a way to not just get the funds to start the company, but to validate if this was a good idea. Like, do we have product market fit? A year and a half on the side of running two other companies, uh, my two business partners and I would meet up every Friday night at eight p.m. And we'd work well into the night until we were too tired or we had too much whiskey. And after a year and a half, we put together this crowdfunding campaign, let it go into the world. And the crowdfunding campaign was very successful. And we were off to the races. That's how we started the company.
1: That's awesome. And did you do that through a traditional crowdfunding website like uh, Kickstarter or something? We did Indiegogo. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, they all... Roughly do the same things. There's their there quirks to any of them. I was just wondering to know if you used an existing platform or, or did it yourself. I'm seeing some people launched crowdfunding things like through Shopify.
0: Um, no, we did it through Indiegogo, and it was the right decision for us because we were able to make a kind of deal with them that if we were able to raise 30% of our funding goal within the first 48 hours, they would feature us in their marketing newsletter, which is a very, very powerful. Email blast, like it has a lot of people who read that and and buy from it. So we pushed for that. We got into that newsletter, and it was huge for us. And you know, we went from having zero customers and zero people on our mailing list when we started this campaign, and we ended the campaign with our first two thousand customers, and that was enough for us to uh, just get the word of mouth momentum rolling into our Shopify store. a lot of of repeat customers. And that was the basis of our customer list that we were able to do Facebook ads with. So without Indiegogo, I don't think we could have started this company. And I'm a huge, huge fan and a huge proponent of, of crowdfunding.
1: Awesome. This episode is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio knows modern e commerce is moving fast. Between email, mobile, and web, it can be hard to keep up with consumers and personalize their experience with your brand. Think of Clavio as a central command center for all your digital marketing needs. With email marketing, dynamic website content, social retargeting, SMS automation, and more, you'll take back control of the customer experience and own your business growth. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 brands like Casemate, Kapari, and Brook Linen. Ready to find out how Klaviyo can help your business grow? Visit klaviyo.com to schedule a demo. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. That's a great way to start, especially when you're trying to validate the idea. I like that perspective. Like, Let's see if what, if what we got here is working. And obviously it did.
0: Yeah, and you know what? It forces you to consider all the things that you need to consider to start your business. Like you can go and start write a business plan. And I've never written a business plan in my life. But what is a business plan? It's well, this is what our brand is gonna be, and this is the what the customer is gonna be. And you're doing all this stuff, right? But when you create a crowdfunding campaign, you have to get your product prototypes. You have to build the brand, you have to come up with all your brand messaging and brand imagery. It's basically a business plan and a pitch all in one. You know we, we kind of jokingly call it a millennial infomercial because you're piecing the whole thing together and you're trying to sell the video, you know, not not to the traditional TV audience, but kind of people who click around on crowdfunding campaigns. And by the end of this crowdfunding campaign, aside from the fact that we came up with our brand name, all the brand messaging and brand assets, We also found our suppliers, built supplier relationships, got prototypes, um, found a way into market, and we executed it. And then at the end of it, the product market fit was validated because we had 2,000 customers that bought our product. So it's like a business plan that actually builds in your attempt at getting into the market with it. So I I don't even know how I could start this business without having done crowdfunding, considering we didn't have the capital. We didn't have the money. We didn't have the energy or time. Everything was pinned against us. I think starting this company, all the odds were not in our favor. Uh, crowdfunding allowed us to have the platform. I'm forever grateful to Indiegogo for their support in that and the opportunity.
1: And so, what does uh, it look like after a successful, uh, you know, crowdfunding campaign? What, what, like obviously you got to fulfill the orders and all that stuff. But I, I would imagine the first year after crowdfunding and Starting this first business, like what are what are some of the bigger hurdles that people need to think about? Uh, And you know, maybe they're not even it's not even on the radar. Things that happened during that kind of growth period that you guys had to you know challenges you had to overcome.
0: Well, you, it's it's a weird time because you know when we finished that crowdfunding campaign, we thought, well, part of us wanted to pat ourselves on the back, like wow, we did it. We got you know we tried raising thirty thousand dollars, and I think we ended at like three hundred and eighty thousand. So we felt like we blew our our funding goal out of the water, and everything was seemed so great, but we didn't really have a business. We just had a an opportunity to start a business. We didn't have a business until we had a website, because we were just going for e commerce. A website that was up and running, and people were going to our website, and they were continuing to buy our product until we were there. That was it wasn't a business. So we had this moment of uncertainty of like, okay, well. Should we be excited yet? Do we really have anything yet? And I left my other company and I left both other companies because I believed that we had something and I was going to go all in on this. So I was the first person to go full-time into this company and we just started piecing together a Shopify website. Now what's really cool about the whole crowdfunding thing is, I like I said before, you create all of the brand assets and design assets and the brand messaging. So we just broke it all out of our Indiegogo campaign and we pieced it into a Shopify template with very, very minimal development. We sort of hobbled together this website. And to our surprise, I remember this very clearly. We were met up at a Starbucks you know, before my other partners had to go to their other jobs because they weren't full-time at the time. And we were just going to sort of update a couple of photos on the website, throw in a little bit of copy. And I, we didn't even announce our website yet. Like there was no launch. We didn't even have a launch plan yet. We were just working on it, and we went into the Shopify backend. Now the store was up on Shopify. It was live, but not fully like developed and not launched yet. And there were about a dozen orders just sitting there, and we were blown away. Like I couldn't believe it. I'm like, how did these people even find this website? And they found us because we've already started shipping our crowdfunding, and there was that word of mouth. So that's when I realized. I think we now have a business. But we couldn't rely just on word of mouth. We said we had to figure out, well, what is the next thing? Like Before we relied on Indiegogo and their email list and their trending campaign for a bit, and the fact that we're driving ads to our Indiegogo campaign, what is it that we're going to do now that's going to continue to bring new customers, potential customers into our store? So we went down the path of Facebook ads. And we went deep into Facebook ads and we got good at that. And that worked out unbelievably for us. But it's always about figuring out what is your strategy for acquiring a new customer. For us, the first one was Facebook ads. And on the side, we're tinkering with SEO. But what we do is we focus one at a time. And we did Facebook ads for about a year. It was our core focus with a little bit of SEO. Now we're getting into affiliates. Um, Google ads came next. It's just, you know, the name of the game is acquiring new customers and servicing your current customers and hoping that they come back and have a good product so it's just a constant grind of telling them what you are what you do and to show them that this could benefit them or that they like it.
1: I like how you mentioned that you need to like pick a channel and like focus on it. Uh, I see this happen all the time when someone wants to grow their business. And they are trying to do too much at once. You know, if everything's important, nothing's important. And it usually just ends up with failure. So I'm glad that, you know, from a founder's perspective, that you're sharing that same strategy.
0: Yeah. And you know, I think we got that from the Indiegogo thing. It was, you know, it was so simple when we were creating this Indiegogo campaign, because all we had to do was make that campaign work. Like we didn't have to think about basic ads and that there was nothing that mattered except let's make this campaign as good as it possibly can be. And then when the business started, it's like okay, well, there's a lot more that needs. You know, what about our emails and what about our 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 Instagram accounts or what are we going to post? And you start to spread your attention. And if you spread your attention too much, you're not going to do anything that great. So we tend to always try to focus on two things. And really, that's just like I heard like Steve Jobs in some speech he did or some interview. But that's sort of like the Apple's approach. Like they weren't, they don't focus on a million things. When the iPod was the thing they were focusing on, it was the iPod. When the iWatch, the Apple Watch was the thing they're focusing on. That's what they're focusing on. So, for us, it's like, what are the few things we can focus on, I spend a lot of time there, and that's what we do. That's what we do to this day, and it's just it just works for us. And I think it's just that a healthy way to think and a healthy way to work.
1: Absolutely. Want to get each new episode of Honesty Commerce sent straight to your phone? join our VIP texting list for updates on new episodes and exclusive deals from our partners. Text honest VIP. That's H-O-N-E-S-T VIP to 72599 to join. By the way, we're powering our text messages with PostScript, the number one text message marketing app for Shopify stores. Check out the show notes for a link to install PostScript for free today. So I want to pivot a bit here uh, because I think this is a topic we haven't really covered much in partners and running a business with your best friends. I feel like that's going to be a good topic of conversation here.
0: Yeah. So that's I, I have. I mean, you'll hear all the time business
1: and friendship don't mix.
0: Uh, I disagree. I think business and friendship mix beautifully, and you do have to keep them separate. Uh, but ultimately, I, you know, uh, the, my business partners have been my best friends since childhood. And people say, Oh, well, that could ruin your friendship. Well, I mean, if that's going to ruin your friendship, if business is going to ruin your friendship, you should really question, like, are you really friends? Like my business partners and I can just rip each other apart, be very candid with each other. And we know it's all out of love and we all want each other to just do our best. And we all want the best for each other because we're truly like best friends. If we weren't in business together, we're still best friends. In fact, one of my business partners... I had my first business the a video production agency and I ran that for nine years. And he worked, we hired him and he worked for us and we fired him because it wasn't a good fit in that company. And when he had to go look for another job, we we're like talking about his severance package because he's like my best friend. I said, Go find a job and we'll just pay you until you do. Just don't be a slacker. Go get yourself a job. And he went. He found himself a job, and he worked there all the way until he became my business partner in my next business. But he's awesome in this business, and he's the right person. He was the wrong person for that other business as an employee, but he's the right person as my business partner. So that just goes to show, like it's like it doesn't business and friendship can mix there, but they're two totally separate things. I love working with my best friends. It's the greatest gift. I could ever have because every day I get to go on to zoom well, now like zoom calls we do a zoom call every morning even before coronavirus we were always going a daily morning zoom call a daily huddle um, we go out for beers together we could talk about the company it's like the line between what's having fun and what's working is very blurry because we work together and it's awesome so I really think as long as you you're truly friends with these people if you truly have their best interests at heart. You challenge each other to be better. Uh, there's just nothing better than getting into business with your friends. And that's my opinion. That's my experience. Yeah. Even in my previous business... You know what? So my I have 3 best friends. My other business... Was, my other partner was my other best friend. He's not a partner in this new business, but we're still best friends. So that's just the way I think. That's the way I work.
1: Yeah. I mean, I am on your side of it as well. I think it is very easy to build a business with a friend. But you need to come into it. A business partnership is a marriage. uh, And you need to think of it like that. And you need to have the tough conversations immediately. You do not want to wait uh, because it will just build something up that's going to make it bigger than it needs to be. Just You need to be able to be candid with each other and have really tough conversations um, or it's not going to work out. If you bottle things
0: up, it's like, again, like you're making something that doesn't need to be big, much bigger. And that, I think that's something that we do really well. And we have had tough conversations. We've had a couple conversations where I was surprised at how angry one of my business partners has gotten. But, you know, we cooled off and the next day we came back and resolved things. Um, Communication is key. It is a marriage. You're 100% right. And uh, if you do it right, it's just the most fun thing in the world.
1: Absolutely, being an entrepreneur is is super fun, and then having people that you enjoy next to you for the ride just makes it that much better. Mm-hmm. All righty, so let's pivot a bit now to to what's going on now. Uh, you guys are fully established. You guys are doing some awesome numbers. Uh, what are you guys doing to kind of help grow? Like you said earlier, you know, it's all about finding new customers. That's the only way to grow your business. So what uh, what are you guys doing these days to bring new people into the funnel?
0: Um, well, you know we've really, really gotten good Our SEO is great, we have gotten good at the Facebook ads. so that's cool. feels like watering the plants now. Um, we have done nothing with influencers or affiliates up until we're just starting that right now. So you know it, ha- it has almost no impact in our business at this point, but we see it as a big opportunity. you know the because we were our, our brand has been positioned as a travel brand and you know ever since, the world changed when coronavirus came to the picture. It's, we're We're pivoting quite a bit with our messaging and trying to have a more holistic approach to what our brand is. But we're also looking at this as a time where since the travel industry has been hit so hard, the travel influencers, it's maybe a really good time to approach them. You know maybe if in a, in a previous era, pre-COVID, it would be very hard to talk to some of these people. We're finding they're very receptive and very open to having the conversations about potential collaborations, affiliate relationships. So we're looking at this as an opportunity to connect with influencers that maybe were a little out of reach before. So this is something we're focusing on right now. And you know, in a few months from now, or maybe in a year from now, this might have been one of the greatest opportunities ever that I'm just raving about, or it could be a big flop. But this is where our focus is shifting. And we're spending a lot of energy there. But you know the main thing that we really focus on is not acquiring new customers. It's creating great products and catering to the relationships we have with our current customers. So we've built up a pretty big email list, and our customers are really loyal, and we sell in over a hundred countries now. So you know we hobbled together some clothing designs, not knowing how to make clothing when we first started the campaign. So now the most important focus for us is product development. When we first started our Indiegogo campaign, we hobbled together clothing designs, not really knowing how to do it well. Now we work with like world-class product developers to not only tweak and improve our current products, but to bring new products into the fold. Because catering to our current customer base is more important than acquiring new customers because there's, they, they come back, they're very loyal to us, there's the source of word of mouth, which is the best marketing that we have. And um, ultimately, the product will speak for itself. So product development and product quality is more important than acquiring a new customer by a mile. So we focus on that and we're focusing on affiliate, and that's sort of like the narrow like laser focus that we have at least for the next quarter or two
1: quarters. Awesome. That's amazing.
0: But except product development is not a one-quarter, two-quarter thing. That's a, a forever thing.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I think uh, you always got to be innovating your products uh, to keep your business going. I am going to be having uh, uh, my friend Myron on the show in a couple of weeks, and he is actually going to be sharing. They built their business uh, actually pretty successfully through the just through affiliate marketing. Uh, so he's going to do a deep dive into that, and I believe the platform that he uses for that, that he really enjoys, is called Grin.co. Co. Um, it's not cheap. Say it again. Grin G R I N dot C O, uh, like a smile, um, but. Uh-huh. It's it's not the cheapest, but he says it, it actually works. It's well vetted influencers and it's 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 a super interesting uh, I guess it's a—it's not really SaaS. It's almost service as a off, as a subscription. Uh, but their their platform is really cool, and it allows you to actually like look for uh, the influencers in your space and like see if their numbers are legit. And like it, it does a lot of cool things. So I'm gonna have him on, uh, and you know he's gonna deep dive into kind of how they how they did it with that platform. So that's gonna be a super cool one. So I wish I had that for you now. So now I'm just—I
0: uh, can't wait to listen to that. I just wrote the the website down, and I didn't check it out. But yeah, that's right where I'm. I'm... Right at the beginning of that journey, so you know, maybe in a year from now, I'd be a good podcast guest for that. But right now, I have no idea what the landscape is. So, even just getting that uh, website is huge for me,
1: absolutely. Well, with that being said, is there anything that I forgot to ask you about today that you think would be worthwhile to share with our listeners? Um,
0: no, you know, I mean. If if people are just starting out, like uh, we, I liked when we where we started with that third door thing, you know, when we got into this, we didn't know how to make clothing. I had no experience in making this kind of clothing. I haven't had a successful e commerce business. I had no money, no time, no energy. I was just like, I, th- I I promise you, like if this didn't work, this was where my thinking was. If this business didn't work, I didn't even know what I would do after because I didn't want to go to my other business. I was so it was just I was done with it. And I don't even know how to write a resume. But I was going to go to Shopify and just ask them if they'd hire me. Like I was was almost down for the count. But like, if you really do grind, and you do find that third door, um, I think I'm a good example of how little you could have and you could still make it happen if you just do the work and you just focus and you put your energy and heart and you believe that you can. So if there's anything I'd want anyone to take, it would be that. And uh, that's about it. Aside from that, I really, really appreciate you having me here.
1: And it was great to chat with you. Awesome, Dan. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yep. Take care, man. Thank you. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io/connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.